Welcome to Gritty Leaders Podcast. I'm here today with Panina Shepherd. Hello, Panina. Hello. Panina, you are the founder and chief exec of Acumen Business Law and Acumen People Solicitors. You're also the author of Freedom Revolution, a great little book. I have my copy here. I've been dipping in since I got it. It's a great read. This will be in my bag tomorrow when I fly away for a long-awaited summer break. Panina, we've got plenty to talk about today. I want to, though, tell the story of how you and I met, because we were introduced by by Neil Lawton, an adventurer. Neil has got the Explorer's Grand Slam. He has summited the highest peaks on all seven continents. Once up Everest wasn't enough for Neil. Uh, He's been up there, I think, six times. And Neil said that I need to meet you. Now, Neil knows interesting people. So this was my first clue that I would be meeting someone interesting, Panina. The second thing that happened was I came along to an Acumen event in Brighton at the Grand. Now, it's a law firm. And Neil had already told me this is not any law firm, Ben. There are zebras everywhere. So he <laughs> he piqued my, my, my interest. But what a different event it was. I was thinking about this, approaching this conversation, Panina, because I think it probably says something about you and about Acumen, and you'll be able to tell me in a moment. The day had a real buzz to it. It was energetic, exciting, uh, felt really relevant. And as I thought about that more and more, it's not just Acumen, it's also your clients. You're working with really interesting people, really interesting firms, and Acumen itself has got some core strengths that are quite different to other law firms. It's probably why Acumen has been described as groundbreaking in the press. So I'm just going to pause there. You weren't expecting that that introduction. Um, does it capture something of Acumen and you? Um, this is a fantastic introduction. I think we should stop the podcast here. It's only downhill from here. <laughs> <laughs> so thank you so much for the great introduction. But on a serious note, it actually means so much to hear it because as every business person knows as you would know when you have a dream and um, you know think right this is what I want to create this is what I want it to, to look like this is and it's what you've just described and you know in September we're going to be 16 years old mm-hmm. um, so we are into alcohol and drugs now <laughs> <laughs> yeah adolescence definitely <laughs> so to hear that 16 years on and that is still you know who we are you know that the people people get us in that way it means so much because so much hard work gone into it because, you know, we all seen this before when businesses say, oh, we are different or we do this. Or, we... And sometimes it's 100% correct, but sometimes you go, well, are you though? You know, is it just you hired um, a consultant that has written that sentence on your website and you're repeating it? Or is it, whereas with this, what you've described is what I dreamt about, is I want a law firm that, and everything you just said, you know, that will be innovative, that will stand out, that will be different, that will work with businesses that are, you know, culturally matching our type of um, um, uh, law firm. And, you know, to hear that this is still how we are introduced, say, for example, that's what Neil told you about us and that's what your perception when you came to the Acumen Business Convention. It's just amazing. It's really lovely to hear great i'm I'm glad that i put my finger on something there and and already i think this is so interesting for for our listeners it's it's a great example of how uh, identity can be so powerful and and we're describing an identity that is is so different from uh, the traditional law firm aren't we you know law can feel quite bureaucratic sometimes and if we're going to use that language you guys, you're insurgents. So tell us, what's what's the backstory? Um, what do we need to know uh, to understand how and why you created Acumen way back in 
2007 it must be if your 16th birthday is coming up. I'm always happy to say that I was working as a solicitor for good law firms. And I'm happy to say that because if I didn't, then I would say, oh, you've got this opinion about law firms because, to, to be fair, you work for some rubbish law firms and that's why you think this way. But no, I worked for good law firms. And, uh, but nevertheless, I was always frustrated with the legal industry. Personally, I'm a business and commercial lawyer and um, I felt that the world of business is moving on, is much more modern, much more edgy, different. But the legal industry was lagging behind. It was really fuddy-duddy, old-fashioned. There were still some lawyers with their name written on the door in case they forget what they're called every morning. You know, and I thought there's got to be another way. You know, like when I rule the world, but then I didn't rule the world and I had to get up and go to work every morning <laughs> to make sure that I earn a living. But in 2007, at the backdrop of the most extraordinary circumstances, I've decided to take uh, what I consider the time to be the brave step and set up uh, my own law firm. And that I hadn't thought about that timing. 2007, of course, 2008, uh, October 2008 was just around the corner and there were queues outside Lehman Brothers and we were pitched into the financial crisis and an acumen would have been, you know, just uh, an infant, uh, a year old. Uh, what, what on earth was that like? Yes, that's right. So when I actually set up, my first day was September 2007. So it was the end of 2007. Mm-hmm. And, well, you know, first of all, previously to that, I had a good job. I was a partner. I was in a law firm. I was a head of department. I was having earning a good salary. And... When I decided to set up Acumen, it meant obviously no um, promise of any um, salary for, for obvious reasons, like any person who starts a business. But on top of all that, I had a nine-year-old, a six-year-old, and a newborn baby. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. And then I started the business when she was six months old. So that's how I always know. I always say I've got four kids. Um, it's just the, between the third and the fourth one, there's six months difference. <laughs> Somehow. Yeah, so I had, a, as I said, a nine-year-old, a six-year-old, a newborn baby when I started the business. I didn't have one client because I was after six months maternity leave. So I started from a completely empty desk, literally not even one client. I also started completely on my own, which is quite unusual in general, but even more unusual in our world. Normally, you would have at least two people getting together. They've got some clientele to get them going. Okay. Um, and then, obviously, they go out and, and grow the business more. I literally did not have one client. For the first five months, I didn't raise one invoice. Um, and I was on my own. Also, the biggest recession of our lifetime. So, in September, by September, it was already because everyone, family and friends were saying, do you think it's a good idea to start a business now? Law firms were closing down around me in Brighton. In fact, someone told me the weekend, and I forgot to check it, that he's a lawyer as well. And he read in the Lost Society Gazette that Brighton has the higher rate of law firms that were cl- closing down in the last decade. Oh, wow. It, all this was happening. And to top all this... Um, I was just diagnosed with a really rare form of cancer and I was told that I was unlikely to survive. So all that was happening as I was setting up a business, you know, end of pay, no more payday, um, you know, and I was the main breadwinner, so it was important. The reason I'm saying that is because, again, sometimes people start businesses and they go, well, I've got a year because I can rely on my wife or my husband's salary and let's see how it goes. But I was the main breadwinner. So there was no more paydays and, uh, to come. I didn't have one client. I was completely on my own. I had three young children, one of whom is a you know, newborn baby. It was the biggest recession. And then I was diagnosed with that illness, which was really inconvenient. That definitely didn't help. And that was the backdrop where, of me going, I know what I should do now. Why don't I start a new business? That's a great idea. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that's 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 incredible. And you, you make me realise that often people 
they you know they they leave their safe harbor they start their business when you know when times are, are pretty good and often those are the businesses that that don't survive so so long and i suspect it's because they don't quite have conviction you know it was all a little bit easy but i can tell that you had conviction what was your your conviction you've already said uh, there's got to be a better way than than this and these old firms they're they're fuddy-duddy uh we can be more modern but what was the conviction it's probably a combination of a number of things so so from the passion perspective i was really really passionate about setting up a law firm that is truly different different internally and at that point it was just me but i was determined to grow and I thought as and when if it happens I'll, and I recruit more people I want to be a different law firm internally as well as externally and I remember saying it has to be different internally because if you work for a law firm that claims it's really different but inside it's exactly the same as all the other law firms you've worked with for before it feels like a lie. You go out there and go, oh, yeah, I'm working for Acumen, a really different law firm. And you think, well, it's not really. It's exactly the same. So it had to be different um, internally as well. And I was passionate that, that there's got to be a way, a modern way of doing that. But I also think I'm a grafter. You know, I, I am a hardworking person. If I take something on, you know, I am. I will give it literally my all to make sure it happens. And it, and it's in all. Even if I say to a client, I'll get back to you by um, you know by Tuesday. Then even if it's Monday, five minutes to midnight, <laughs> um, you know, I will I will get back to you then because. It still meant that I got to you by Tuesday. Um, and if, you know, for whatever reason I can't, then I will email and I will apologise and I will explain and I will say, therefore, it will be Wednesday or whatever. As opposed to, well, yeah, Tuesday is just that. If I say Tuesday, it's Tuesday. I will give it my own. So it's just a really small example, but it's also with regard to bigger things. And um, and I remember, you know, when I took on my very first employee, she's going to be a trainee solicitor. And when you come aboard as a trainee solicitor, you you have to work in, in numerous departments uh, to get, um, you know, f- the full experience. And I remember saying to her, well, at the moment, it's just me. So I can't promise you other departments because it's just me. But what I can promise you then I'm certainly in doing everything, will do everything that the firm will grow and then there will be other departments. And this person is still with me now. Yeah, she did her training with us, she qualified, she's now head of our employment law department and she's still with me 16 years later. So I was determined about uh, you know growing the firm and making it a success beyond just me. So you believed in the vision, you believed in yourself, also, you, it sounds like you just knew you could do this. I knew I would give it everything. If you said to me at the time, you know, are you 100% that you're going to be successful? I wouldn't have said yes, because I think that's just arrogant, because no one can say it with such conviction about the future, because no one knows the future. I don't care how clever, how smart or how rich you are. You don't know the future, just like the next person who might be poor or or not as smart or whatever. Um, But what I could say with full conviction is that I will do everything. I will work really hard and give it my all to make it a success. And with the qualities you're, you're describing, success was more likely, but equally, if it didn't work out, you would find you would find a different way forward. That's exactly, it. and that's what I said. And and you know, as you, um, I think you mentioned that when I say in my in my book, the Freedom Revolution, I say you know there is the first question, and I always do that. What's the worst that can happen? And it's actually shocking to find out that it's not actually that bad. And I said to myself, well, what's the worst that can happen? And obviously, I've done some preparation. I knew I'm not going to earn money, so I saved as much as I possibly can, and I paid myself nowhere near what I got before, but enough so we can live on that. So I thought, what's the worst that can happen? The worst that can happen that it doesn't work, and I update my CV, and I go and get another job. But then there is the much better question of, 
what's the best that can happen. And that's really exciting. I love that question. And and I, I was coming to to that, what's the best that can happen? And you know, and and as you talk about this in the Freedom Revolution, you're talking about fear and the role of fear and how we can engage with with fear. And this leads you to those two questions. What's the worst that can happen? What's the best that can happen? What what is your take on fear? Mm. Fear paralyzes people. All of us. When I say people, I mean all of us. Uh, and the thing about fear, and I always say that, I think fear has the best lawyers, clearly from acumen, um, <laughs> because when fear turns up, it always turns up with good, solid arguments. So in my case, when fear turned up about setting up the business, and it certainly turned up, was what the hell are you thinking? You've got a good job. You're a partner, you earn good money, you've got three young children, you just had a baby, the economy's collapsing, you've just been diagnosed with that illness, you don't have one client, there's so many law firms that you'll be competing with that their phone rings just by virtue of their existence, because they've been around since 1832. How are you going, what are you doing? These are strong arguments that fear brought. They're not silly arguments. They're not, oh, I won't be able to buy shoes if I do that. that it's a, that's also a strong argument, but it's a silly argument. Uh, you know, these are serious. And fear always have really good arguments. And that's why it's so paralyzing, because you listen to the arguments and you go, you've got a point, fear. You are right. This is crazy. I shouldn't be doing it. But everything we really want is always on the other side of fear, always, always there. And if it's something that you really want, then look beyond these good, strong arguments and ask yourself those two questions. And if the answer, if the answer to the first question of what's the worst that can happen is, you know, I'm going to lose my family, I'm going to lose my children, we'll be out in the street and it's January, don't do it, don't do it. But if what's the worst that can happen is something that you can overcome, there might be some inconvenience. I'm not saying the answer would be, oh, it will all be exactly the same. Then everyone will do it. If they, There will be some inconvenience, but if, if that's all it is and it can be overcome, then look at the other side of fear because everything you want is there. And that's when what's the best that can happen kicks in. I, I totally agree. And, and fear is not talked about much in business. I recorded a podcast about it. A while back, I come across occasionally while I'm coaching, I realize that somebody there, you said paralyzed, I, I kind of see them, I think this person is in the grip of fear. And invariably, when they're in the grip of fear, there's real dependency. And if I chase that down, they've only got one choice in front of them. They're only thinking about that worst case. They've not created an alternative. So of course, we create an alternative. You've given me a beautiful question to create that alternative. What's the best that can happen? And if we work equally hard on that question, and get a full picture of what that could look like, well, now we've got an alternative, haven't we? Now we've got an alternative. And as soon as we've got an alternative, uh, we're already loosening the grip of that fear. And we can generate a third alternative, a fourth alternative. And then suddenly we're we're in a position of 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 choice. But can can I borrow your question? Do you mind if I use that with a lot of people? I think it's a brilliant question. What's the best that can happen? Of course, royalties uh, are paid monthly <laughs> in arrears. <laughs> <laughs> By all means, please do. It is and and it, and it will be potentially. I think when you speak to people, it will be a helpful question you know, that may actually help people out when they actually go through it. So by all means, please do use it. I will do. Thank, thank you so much. So back to the, the Freedom Revolution, you, you mentioned it just now. The, the subtitle of the book is, is Break the Business Shackles, Join the Revolution. What's the best that can happen? Your, your question is on the front there. In the Freedom Revolution, uh, you talk about purpose you're talking about passion just now you talk in the book about purpose you've got a great quote it's a richard branson quote if you boldly put purpose over profit 
the latter will follow the the former. Uh, and I think this is still uncommon sense thinking uh, in business. But tell us, what is this idea of putting purpose first? What does it meant in Acumen? I mean, there is a huge uh, misconception about purpose. And now I see uh, a tide going the other way. Uh, I'm reading um, Stephen Bartlett. Uh, book at the moment, which I think he's brilliant. He says so many great things, but and there's only very, very few things which I'm thinking, mm, not sure I agree with that. I wish I could talk to him, you know, create a conversation about it. But a lot of the things he's saying, oh, you know, all these people who preach about follow your purpose, creating, you know, they could create a lot of misery. And I think there is a complete misconception about what is meant by that, or at least I should say what I meant by that. But I think there's a misconception about what, uh, say, Branson's of the world and what's that meant. Um, And actually, I was having an almost identical conversation with my daughter about it the other day. So passion can be different things. The classic passion that people think of, and I think that's what Stephen Bartlett thinks, we're talking about is you know oh I always knew so I'm Madonna and I knew from the age of three that I wanted to be a performer and I pursued my passion and look how great what a great decision that was but how many of us know that no one you know most most of us no not no one most of us don't have that passion a lot of us go to university and go right I, I want to go to the university because it's great experience and I want to do part passionate about anything in particular what shall I even study or even if you don't go to university or you've graduated and you go what what shall I do now I'm not particularly passionate about something in particular what shall I do so you know but that doesn't mean that you can't follow your passion it's just a different type of passion it's not that I want to be a singer I want to be an astronaut I want to be the bin man you know that's not the passion that we're I'm, I'm talking about. So when I started, you know, was I particularly passionate about being a lawyer? You know, I knew that's something I wanted to do. I thought, yeah, it'd be a good idea. That'd be a good job. I'd like to be a lawyer. I feel passionate. Um, but do you know what? Get and this is another conversation I had with a friend the other day about something different. It's about life and business. And this is I'm quoting Seth Godin here. She did. Ship it. Get going. Don't wait till all your ducks are lined up in a row when you know exactly what you're passionate, exactly what you want to do. Get started with something. So I got started with being a lawyer. And as I evolved, I realized, you know what? I would love to have a law firm that is truly different. I didn't dream about that passion when I was at university I had absolutely, all I cared about when I was at university was to get a good grade and hopefully get a job. If you walked in to the lecture hall and said to me, oh, hello, I'm a fortune teller. Let me tell you, you're going to run, uh, set up and run an innovative law firm that the Financial Times will list at the top 50 groundbreaking and innovative law firm in UK and Europe. I will section you (laughs) because it's just, I didn't even dream about that. So, that wasn't my passion. So my passion evolved. I shipped it, to use Seth Godin terminology. I got going. I got started. And as I went along, I identified certain things. And I thought, that would be good. So what I realized now, that my passion was business, as in business law. My passion was running a business. My passion is branding and marketing. My passion is bringing business people together, hence the Acumen Business Convention, where we bring 300 business people together every year for 14 years now. Well, I didn't know that to start with, but I pursued it. The moment I realized, okay, I'm really passionate about setting up a law firm that is different, then that's when it came in. I boldly put purpose over profit, and the latter followed the former. Literally, you know, to, to, to um, word by word, that's exactly what happened. Um, but I didn't know that. I didn't know. I, when I was eight and someone said to me, you know, what would you like to be when you grow up? I didn't say I'd like to set up a law firm that is different. <laughs> I didn't know that at the time. So passion can be different things. 
I don't know if that actually answered your question. <laughs> it, it, it's such an interesting answer. And I, I, I was... I was talking about passion and purpose yesterday and arrived at the thought that finding your purpose is it's a quest mm. you know and yeah and the thing about a quest is we set off uh we can't plot the course to where we're going but we know we want to get there we have to you know take leaps of faith along the way we have to try things along the way and we need to notice you know, what takes us forward. And I think finding our purpose is is a bit like that. We have to set out on the quest and we need to notice the things we discover that, that are in our purpose. And it sounds like that's what you did. And it led you to this really powerful identity that, that Acumen has both for its clients and itself. Yeah, that's, that is, I'm, I'm really, really truly believing it that it is a quest that's a really good way of saying that you know it's not necessarily something that you just have from the age of three some do very very lucky people very very small percentage but for the rest of us it's a quest okay and and this yeah and you proved what richard richard said uh passion before profit and the latter will follow the, the the former yeah interesting Good to remember. Good to remember. Let's talk a bit about grits. When I was in Brighton for the the convention, you just mentioned the the convention. You've done fourteen, so I'm guessing we didn't have one in the COVID year. That's right. <laughs> okay, so it was good to be back on track. You were on stage. You spoke about grits, and of course, this is the Gritty Leaders podcast. But we've not spoken about grits here right since episode one or two. Uh, you gave a really good explanation of 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 grit so would you do that again would you remind us about the concept of grit when we were talking about being tenacious and having the commitment and i said i'm a grafter i i work i work hard Um, these are all different way of saying grit the the talk i gave at the akin business commission was about grit and i um, mentioned angela duckworth book mm-hmm. called Grit. So it's just worth um, explaining the, uh, very quickly the background to that. So in, there is in um, uh, a military academy in the state where it's almost impossible to get into that, that academy. It's harder to get into that academy than it is to get to Harvard. You have to have extraordinary academic grades. You have to be not only good, brilliant academically, but you also have to be brilliant, um, have brilliant sport achievements. Uh, you need to pass a psychometric test. You need to pass a health test. And you need to have a, a personal recommendation from either a, a member of the Congress or the Vice President of the United States. It's in, um, a very tough game. And they wanted to find out who are these people that make it to our academy? Who are they? And they tried to appoint a number of psychologists to carry out the research, but they, they couldn't, you know, get to the bottom of it until Angela Duckworth, until they took her on board. And she carried out, you know, extensive research and looked very closely into the concept of grit. And what she found out was actually uh, fascinating. And, and at that point, not only applied just to, she actually developed the grit test that if you pass it, then it, that was the best predictor of success in anything, in anything that that particular. So say, for example, you're interviewing for your salespeople at your company. If they pass the, the grit test, they will be the best salespeople. They'll be the best with academic and not the same people will get the best academic result and not the same people. But whatever they set themselves to do, so in the academy, they set themselves to be accepted, then they will. But they could be the best salespeople, the best whatever, whatever it is they set out to do. And um, it became the best predictor of success. And she discovered that the three main characteristics are passion, perseverance, and focus. And the interesting thing is basically kind of what we spoke about up until now. You know, we spoke about passion. We spoke about perseverance, you know, not giving up. People with grit do not give up. And they are completely focused on the target ahead. But what's also really interesting, which wasn't on the list, is talent. 
It's not about necessarily having the best voice if you want to be a singer or having the best acting skill or having being the best lawyer or the best accountant or the best plumber. It's, it's not about talent because if you have passion, perseverance and focus, you will be the best plumber and the best dancer and the best singer, even if you don't have necessarily have the best talent. And I remember at the convention, I gave the wonderful quote of Will Smith. Um, when he said, you know, the difference between me and others, it's not beauty or talent or it's just, he used the um, an analogy of a treadmill. If we are both on a treadmill, I will die on a treadmill. If, if, the, if the, the target is to remain the last person on the treadmill, then I will die on it and will not get off because I'm passionate about it, I'm persevering and I'm focused. And it's nothing to do with talent. Um, so that is the concept of grit. You know, hard work is, um, um, you know, focus and being passionate about, about it is that you're doing um, is one of the main secrets of success. It's such a powerful concept. And hearing you explain it after you've told us the story of how Acumen began and that early period, I, I realised I hadn't quite thought hard enough uh, about grit yes there's passion yes there's there's talent yes there's determination but what that combination gives us is is adaptability if you like it enables us to keep moving forward broadly in uh, the direction that we we need but we find our way in the moments we we discover new things new parts of our identity new parts of our our, our offering and the right way to do things as we move forward there's it gives us adaptability Yes, we discover the pearl. Uh, you know, this is the poetic analogy where most oyster shells don't have pearls. But to get the pearl, you need to have a, one tiny piece of grit to enter the shell. And that's how the pearl is formed, is formed around the grit. Now, to get to the pearl, as you were just saying, you know, what it gives us and where it gets us to, that's the pearl. But to get there, you've got to have the grit first. And, you know, I love that analogy. I thought I've got to use it for my talk because it's it's so, you know, just summarise it in a more illustrative, um, poetic way, if you like. But it's, it's, it's very, very true. Ah, thank, thank you. So we find pearls along the way. That's so nice. That's so nice. Now, I was going to ask you for a moment when you really uh, felt that you needed to draw on on the concept of grit uh, during the last 16 years. We've already heard that, and I'm not sure I could survive hearing another moment if it's uh, yeah, as high stakes as the one you've already, <laughs> already told us. But I want to ask you something a little bit different, um, because that description from earlier, starting with the economic crisis unfolding with your three kids, the youngest just a few months old, still a baby in arms, and the diagnosis as well. And you began Acumen. How did you know as you move forward through those first months, and you said five months before you had your first customer, how did you know to stay on the journey? Yeah, it was it was five months before I raised the first invoice. And how did I know to stay on the journey? Because I was building it and I could see that I am building something good. <laughs> um, you know, I went out there, I was like a bone, like a dog with a bone, you know, I went out there and told everyone, all networking events, literally I would I'd be Nine to five, I'll be doing all the work which d- doesn't generate, which which you can't raise an invoice for. Right, yep. Uh, you know, I'll be building the website. I'll be writing blogs. I'll be going out to networking events. I'll be telling everyone that would listen and that wouldn't listen. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I'm setting up this new law firm. It's different. And I could see the response that people, people loved it. They I could I could tell I'm onto something, and I was um, the feedback I was getting, and I could see that it's going. I could feel it was going in the right direction, 
And I, you know, I, I wasn't going to stop because I could feel I, I was building a, a momentum, um, which was very exciting. And it's a bit like, um, uh, like you said at the beginning, we've got acumen business law and we've got acumen people solicitors. Now, acumen business law, I, I'm sorry, when I started, it was acumen business law because I'm a commercial lawyer, I'm a business lawyer, and it was just me. So if you came to me on week one and say, I need a will. Can you help me? <laughs> no, that's not business. Or I'm getting divorced or I'm, I'm buying or selling a house. Can you do the conveyancing or, you know, that kind of thing. Anything which was individual um, legal assistance, I wouldn't be able to because I'm a business lawyer. So I set up Acumen Business Law. But Acumen Business Law is democratically run. And, you know, as we say on our website, if you happen to see a lawyer in flip-flops, not to worry. It's just one of the ways we do happy. And the reason I'm mentioning it, because we're democratically run, we don't have what you'd call management announcement. So there wouldn't be an announcement where I go, okay, we set, we decided to set up a new firm in another region. Or we decided to, because it would all be discussed internally. It would be an idea, we go, how about, so where I'm leading with this, it was in one of those meetings, which we have regularly. We used to have it weekly, we have it bi-weekly now. With lunch, we sit down with everyone, whether you're a junior, a assistant, doesn't matter what you are. You could be a student, a placement student. Everyone is in that meeting and everyone is heard. And it was in that meeting 10 years down the line that a colleague said, look, for 10 years, our business clients have been calling us, asking us to help them personally with their legal matters. You know, if someone died, they wanted probate help, that kind of thing. And we, every time we send them away, we just do business law. Why don't we do this? But of course, we around the table were all commercial lawyers and we couldn't do it. So we, very long story short, but we decided to set up Acumen People Solicitors, which is a sister firm. So we have two sister firms, two different websites, both equally obsessed with Zebras. But one, Acumen Business Law, is now 16 years old, providing uh, legal services to businesses. And Acumen People Solicitors is now six years old, providing um, legal services to individuals. But that, you know, that came about because of who we are, because we had this meeting, because being democratically run, because of empowering other people, which was a massive big part of my passion. So sorry, a really long way to go back to that. So my passion was about having a different law firm, which is different internally and externally. So that's what I meant by different internally, because everyone got good ideas. Why the fact that I'm more senior lawyer than you means that I've got better ideas than you? You know, that, that's, not, that's not the case. And that's how we came about, you know, setting up Acumen People Solicitors. So that was another moment, if you like, where we go, okay, we need some new grit. Because I remember saying, oh, my God, are we literally going to go through that again? Because we had to go and tell everyone, hello, we now do this. You know, of course, it's a lot easier because by that point, Acumen Business Law was 10 years old. We had a bank of clients, you know, a, a, a you know, huge data of, of people, and we were known, and of course it's easier. But, you know, even to this day, some people say, oh, I didn't realise you do you do that as well. I thought you were just commercial lawyers because we've done such a great job at promoting ourselves as business law specialists that we now, you know, that's the next script to let everyone know we also have our sister firm, Acumen People Solicitors. So this is just another small example about where we had to gather some grit again um, with the hope of getting to the pole. And we kind of did. Our convincing department is now uh, in Acumen People. We've got six or seven lawyers working uh, in the convincing department, which is fantastic, as well as having, you know, family, wills, probate, lasting power of attorneys, experts on board, which is great. And there's such an important lesson in there, which is, I'm sure it will appeal to to lots of our listeners, um, but it won't be all of them. But for you, you learned that, you know, one of the important things is talk a lot about what we're doing. Hello, this is who we are. This is what we're doing. And watch those responses. And those responses give us a good early data point back 16 years ago 
those were your first data points. People were saying, yeah, I love the sound of that. We, Yeah, we would be a customer of that, Ca- carry on. But you did that in combination with then, you know, once it got to five o'clock, you were putting it into action during the evening and getting the, the you know, the, the work that actually generated some revenue done. So it was that combination of, of socializing a lot where you were going getting the confirmation from those reactions as well as making sure that every day you took that uh, meaningful, practical step forward uh, by doing work uh, in the evening, it so happens. All right, uh, let's press on. I knew this would happen, Panina. We would get talking. Um, <laughs> so we've talked about fear and what's the worst that can happen, what's the best that can happen, getting into a position of choice, unlocking that paralysis that happens. We've talked about putting purpose before profit and the profits will will follow. And you've definitely convinced us of that. We've talked about grit and the quest and finding pearls along the way. Is there one more concept that that you think we need to include in the mix to understand how you've built Acumen or have we got the three essentials there? The only other concept, which I always, when I give talks and people say, if you can give one thing, have a story to tell. Mm-hmm. Have a story to tell because what's memorable for people is the story as opposed to just a list of, you know, I'm a printer, I sell HP, toner, XYZ. No one remembers that. Have a story to tell that is memorable and it is the story that gets repeated. As you saw when Neil introduced you and when you introduced me, what was repeated there was the story. Do you know... This is so familiar to me. When I started my my consulting team in London, and then that business grew, and you know, I found myself a founder, then I was a managing director, then I had a decent-sized team around me. The way I thought about it was I'm constantly telling the same story. I tell the story slightly differently when I'm recruiting, and it's somebody who's going to potentially come and join the team and work with us uh, and spend the next two, three years brilliantly with us and us, hopefully brilliantly for them. That was one telling of the story. When we had, because we were acquired by a, a Swedish organization, and you know, and so when it was in those conversations, or I was with the group CEO, I was telling the same story but in a completely different way, but it was still the same story. When it was a customer or a prospective customer, same story, slightly different uh, audience. So I, I get that. Um, and every week I would say to myself on on a Monday, on the train, on the way into to London, it was just about the right amount of time. I would just uh, sit quietly and I'd think, yeah, what what is the company's story right now? Where are we up to? What's new in the story? What is the story this week? And and then that would just bring it up to date. And then I could tell the different versions of that story. And you know what? In each telling of the story, I would get a response. And that response would enable me to improve the, the story and tell it better. Uh, and, you know, make sure that what happened next in the story was the best it could be. Yeah, 100%. Every new person that joins, I give them, um, uh, I call it the 90 seconds elevator pitch yeah and i say to them exactly that this 90 second you can use at a speed networking event but you can also use when you've got one hour with someone over lunch or you have someone or you have a coffee or you have it can be expanded and it can be used in multiple occasions because that is the heart of the story and i i I couldn't agree more Great. And you can use it in a podcast, it turns out, also. Exactly. <laughs> okay, so some quick fire questions. Then I'm going to ask you what's next for uh, for Acumen and for you, and then we will be done. I'll be super satisfied. This is going to be a great pod that I know I'm going to be hearing about uh, from our listeners for a while. Panina, who is your business heroine or hero? I don't have one, but I did have one person that influenced me a lot when I was setting up the business because I was reading all all his books, and that's Seth Godin, especially The Purple Cow. Brilliant. I shall order my copy. I've not read it. So Seth Godin, The Purple Purple Cow, I'll take that one. So back to your question, what's the best that can happen? And I, and I guess this is a question that you can ask again and again and again. So what's the best that can happen for Acumen and you? 
Oh, that's a really good question. The best that can happen is that we remain profitable so we can pay everyone, ideally above market rates, Mm -hmm. you know, carry on growing. Simple. Yeah. Nice. What makes you laugh? Funny things. (laughs) (laughs) Give me an example. What made you laugh most recently? What makes me? You you just made me laugh. (laughs) Oh, there you go. I'll take that. That makes me feel good. Uh, What makes you cry? Hopefully not me. Yeah, hopefully not you. Well, the best way to answer is I'm trying to remember when is the last time I cried, which is was when my mum died in April. So okay. that made me cry. Yeah, you 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 told that story uh, a few weeks ago, and uh, it really uh, touched me to hear about your 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 mum. This is a good one because we've heard just how intense it was. Uh, so, what is your top well-being hack or trick? for you know, a busy founder, busy chief exec, or anyone who's incredibly busy uh, with the combination of work and out of work? The biggest one is an amazing partner. Um, my husband is wonderful. He's an artist and he that hugely helped me because it meant that the kids would not have to be from seven in the morning till eight o'clock at night at, um, uh, you know, childminders or whatever. But um, they they did go to childminders so he can have time to do his art. But at three o'clock, he would pick them up. And when it was school and it was um, school holidays, he was around to be with them. And that made me, you know, feel so much better and not guilty because I know the kids are at home with their um, amazing dad. So that is the biggest one. The second bit is everything we spoke about, the you know, the determination, the perseverance, the focus. So for me, I exercise three times a week. I try to make sure that I um, walk as much as I possibly can. And I try to eat as healthy as I possibly can. Um, and I kind of use my determination and perseverance to do, you know, don't get me wrong, um, I'm for example, I can be a cheeky social smoker sometimes. So if you pass um, on a Saturday night and you see me outside a pub with a cigarette and you go, hold on a minute, <laughs> she said. And you may see me ordering the, the odd burger and chips. Now, I'm not saying, oh, I always get it right. I'm definitely not. But, you know, I'm, I, I, let's put it this way. I think about it and I do the best I can. Okay, great. And who is your, your go-to gritty leader? I don't have one person, but, you know, Richard Branson mm-hmm. um, being kind of inspired. And the, the main thing about him is that if I say to you British Telecom and I say to you Virgin, mm-hmm. you just felt something different about both. That's his success because even though it's a huge company, because a lot of people often say to me, look, Acumen is, you know, is Definitely, you know, it's cool, it's different, blah, blah, blah. But as it grows, do you think people used to ask me when it was the five of us, but, you know, it's obviously grown a lot more since and hopefully will grow more. Do you think you will lose it? And I always use Virgin as an example and Richard Branson. I said, they're huge, they're massive, they're international. And they still, when I said Virgin and British Telecom, you still felt something different there. So I think... He's my go gritty inspirational leader. I totally see that and the relevance of that too to Acumen and you. All right, let's let's wrap this up. Tell me what's coming up for for Acumen and and you. And you know, one of the things, the sense I got early on was you know this this feeling about Acumen is very present. There's something very in the moment about acumen but it's also expectant there's this sense that there's always something just around the corner as well you know the the present is good the future uh, is going to be really interesting so what's coming up you're very perceptive man i'm very impressed it's just, <laughs> not, it's just like you get you get more than the obvious i've noticed that uh, which is amazing i'd love Thank you. to have a separate coffee with you because i've got so many things i want to ask you but i can't because i know that's not the purpose of why we're here but <laughs> maybe we can have a coffee together separately but definitely answer your question <laughs> We are, oh my God, there's so many things that are planned. I don't even know what to say. So I'm going to say it really, really quick, 
quickly. Um, we've done, for the first time, the Acumen People Awards, which is um, awarding 7 to 17-year-old for going above and beyond. Could be best brother, best sister, best sibling, best um, other sibling, um, um, a sport achievement, um, and it was the most emotional. In fact, so much so the ITV Meridian did an item uh, about one of the kids that, um, that because they won the Acumen People Award, they did an item about them on TV. So it went so well that when it finished, we went, oh, dear, that means we have to do it again. Um, it can't be a one-off. So we, uh, we're going to do the Acumen People Awards. We are going to launch um, in October is Mental Health Week. So we're going to support a mental health charity where uh, people who are dealing with separation, so our divorce lawyers will be providing uh, free consultations uh, to help people who are going through separation because we know what an awful uh, effect it has on people's mental health. Uh, we are, in fact, just about to launch, literally in either tomorrow or if not on a Monday, the Big Fat Grit Club. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and um, that is basically a reincarnation of the Acumen Business Club that we used to run and stopped at COVID and we never kind of brought it to life again. So now it is coming back to life in the form of the Big Fat Grit Club, where we got together with the amazing um, Kyriakos Vaksavanyev, who runs the Nostos Greek restaurants in Brunswick Square in Hove. And we are going to run a, a business club, no pre presentations, no PowerPoint, no pitches, just good a social club for business leaders on a Friday lunchtime with Greek food, Greek music. We're going to get everyone up to do this, um, Greek, the Zorba, um, um, Zorba the Greek dance. And I've got a feeling, I forgot, we're about to plan, start planning the next Acumen Business Convention uh, because planning starts in about two weeks' time. There's a lot happening, and I'm sure I forgot something, but I'm conscious of time. So that's the things that came up to my mind as we speak. Fantastic. I knew there would be something unexpected. I didn't know it would be the Big Fat Greek Club. That's that's an amazing place to finish. Penina, thank you so much for for sharing so much of the, the, the story. People are going to take uh, all sorts of uh, uh, insights uh, from from listening to how you've described uh, that quest. I definitely I definitely have and I'm looking forward to that that coffee. We'll definitely do that very soon. Perfect. Thank you so much, Ben. It was a pleasure.